The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters, two microphones, and one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. Dogs to Janky Show. We're talking playoffs. Playoffs. We're talking women's basketball with Courtney Moore, and we're gonna do say what? Say what? Blah blah blah. I need. To, I need to get you a few more. I need to get you like Kyle's mom from South Park. Blah blah blah. That's a good one. That's what. That's I'll a, take your word one. for it. It's an oldie but a goodie. I mean, I, I think I watched South Park. Uh, I don't know that I remember Kyle's mom. Kyle Bravlowski? Yeah. No, I, I remember there was like a fat guy. What was his name? Cartman. Yeah. I like that guy. Anytime you like to eat, I like that guy. Yeah. Uh, Cartman, Kyle, Stan, sure. and Kenny. And there was a teacher, wasn't there? Uh, the guy goes, Mr. Garrison, uh, yeah. Oh, that's all I got. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I really think I'm you ought to ask hip. Mr. Hat. I'm really not. I, you're going to find this shocking, Keith. I'm not very hip. Uh, that's okay. South Park hasn't been hit for like a de- at least a decade, so you're good. All right, I'm good. All right, all right. Who's not good? Let's talk about that. Uh, that's a great question. Probably like Monmouth. Monmouth's not good. They're not bad, but they're not good. Well, I guess I guess if we do it that way, we're going to be here a long time. I guess we should talk about who is good then. <laughs> yes. Uh, you want to talk about playoffs? I do. I do. Do a little playoff talk. I do want to talk playoffs because we're getting down to the nitty gritty. And yes, it is very sad that uh, ETSU is not in the playoff talk. But Mm -hmm. because there are so many Southern Conference teams that it affects, and we like to pride ourselves on talking Southern Conference and being knowledgeable about the league, I think we should do our due diligence on playoffs, not just seeding, which we will talk about, but certainly Mm -hmm. the at larges. Conference bid, how many can a SOCON get? I am starting to let myself start to believe there's a possibility of four. Now, still things have to shake out. I'm almost, I hate to say certain, but I feel really strong about possible three teams getting closer and closer to a lock being Mm -hmm. in. I think this weekend will determine some of that um, on if there's going to be three. And I can say probably more confidently next week that I will feel great about three and then start maybe making a pitch for a fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will see. That being said, if we're going top eight, what is your top eight? Uh, my top eight, my number one is Sacramento State. Uh, that's where I'm That's where I'm going. Uh, do, you want to, do you want to do the thing we did last week where I just kind of gave you – and, like, then, and then I, I guess somehow is that what yeah. we did? Okay, well, I got to write we get, stuff we can down. Do I got to make me write stuff down. All right, here we go. Might as well, right? Might as well right, have some right, fun right, with it. All right, throw it out. All right, so um, I already told you I told you my one is Sacramento State. All right, I'm trying to write this. Sac State. Sac State, okay. Um, Holy Cross. Okay. North Dakota State. Okay. Montana State. Okay. Samford. Ooh, all right. South Dakota State. Okay. Incarnate Word. Yep. Uh, how many do you have? You have six. I don't know. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So who did you forget that you forgot? Did I tell you Weber State? Nope. Okay. Then Weber State. All right. All right. All right. And because. Uh, all right. So you said Sac State one. Sac State is what, one. That, that, I'll, I'll go ahead and give you that one. That's the free I'm going to go South uh, Dakota State is two. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go Montana State 3. Okay. Uh, North Dakota State 4. Mm-hmm. Now, here's where – gosh. Here's where – man. Uh, oh, what if I go Monkey Ranch Incarnate Word 5? Keep Gosh, going. I don't. I know. I know. I'm just going. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. God, Holy Cross six, Weber seven, Sanford eight. Uh, you started out really well. Did I get the first five. You got the first four. Four. Okay. You got the first four. 
I still have Weber at five. I, you know what? And I almost leaned there, but because they lost last week, I, mm-hmm. I, I dropped him a little bit. In, in, in my mind, trying to predict your mind, to, to try to put me there with you. I, I have Holy Cross at six. Um, I think the, that the FBS win over a Buffalo team that I would anticipate is going to be in a bowl game. I think they're going to finish the year probably seven and five. Um, and when one of your five losses is to Holy Cross, I mean, that you, you were a decent team and you lost to a team that is being talked about at the lower level for uh, postseason. And then I have Samford and then I have Incarnate Word. I just don't trust the Cardinals. I don't trust their defense. Um, yeah, I know they absolutely lit up Southern Illinois at the beginning of the year. Uh, I think you can kind of hand wave that one away. They lost to Southeastern Louisiana. They don't control their own destiny in their conference. I think those are things that you look at and say, when you, when, we, when you put when you put data analysis into those those things, it's like they have a really explosive and dynamic offense. Um, how good is their defense really? How consistent can their offense be against a defense that's good? Because they haven't played a lot of good defenses, and when they have, their offense has been a little less um, less consistent. Uh, but it's still one of the better offensive units, I think. And the well, I say I say that, but I mean they still scored thirty five against Southeastern. Um, you know, I, I just I don't know, man. There's something about that that group that's off to me, and I can't place it. I can't get my head around it. Um, I probably just need to sit down and watch them play one more time and be like, is the, just, just commit. I have to commit to UIW one way or the other. Is this team a seeded team? Is this team not a seeded team? I can't make it a seed. Cause my other seeded contenders, uh, Idaho, William and Mary Chattanooga was kind of on the tail end of that group. And that depends on what happens this week. If they beat Sanford, they're back in the mix. If they lose to Sanford, they're probably out of the mix. Um, what's in the best interest of the SoCon uh, as far as getting multiple teams in? I think that's a really challenging question to answer. I think Delaware, after the loss to Elon, is a little bit down the pecking order, but they could still fight their way back into that mix as well. And then after that, I, I just I just don't know, man. I, if, at that point, you're starting to get into who's actually going to make the playoffs, who's actually going to be in there on the bubble. And that's where I think you see Mercer and Furman right now. Obviously, the winner of that game, if it's Furman especially, I think Furman rockets up the board uh, and is is can finally put to bed all of this. They have one less data point stuff that I have been espousing, let alone others have been espousing. Uh, I think they can finally put that to bed if they beat Mercer this week. Um, if Mercer wins that game, they're kind of back in the fight. And then they have a big one next week against Samford. Uh, those are games to keep an eye on. Richmond has a big one this week, I believe. I believe. Yeah, they- the CAA has two huge ones. Richmond, Delaware is the biggest one. But yes. then New Hampshire and Rhode Island. For playoff purposes, that's a, that's pretty much an eliminator. That, I feel like that's a huge game. So the only I think the Southern Conference is getting a lot of pub this week because it's Sanford, Chat, Furman, Mercer, all of those kind of a separator. Depending on you know Furman and Mercer each looking right, right one conference loss, um, and then Sanford and Chat. Obviously, Sanford no losses, Chat a loss. So. Looking at that, um, it, it's good. I think those are the the biggest in league play. Those are the two biggest games. Now, CAA I think has two huge games, but one more so because eliminator. I don't know that anybody will be eliminated from the playoffs out of the four Southern Conference teams. Furman could be a little bit behind the eight ball if they lose, but I don't think they're 100 percent eliminated uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I think New Hampshire, Rhode Island. I think that could possibly be an eliminator for one of those. So those elite, as far as looking around the leagues and the matchups, I kind of feel like those are the two um, biggest uh, games. Is, or, or that's a league that has two games that have significance on a national level. Yeah, I feel like all of the four teams are going to be in it until the very end. Like the four teams that we are looking at as far as the SoCon right now 
are all going to be in the mix until we get to the end of the line in two weeks and the committee has to sit down in a room and make a decision. I think Samford is in a position where with the early win over Furman, they probably have a shot where if they show well and they lose their last two games, but the two games are competitive and they don't get blown out, then I think they're probably going to be just fine. Chattanooga, I think, maybe has a little more urgency to win this game this week because of the loss to Furman. They do have a loss to Mercer, uh, or rather a win over Mercer. Uh, they kept their nose clean in non-conference play, didn't do anything embarrassing there, um, and I would expect them to beat Western Carolina next week. So at that point, you're talking about 8-2, and two, or 8-3 and three or 9-2 and two, Chattanooga. And then Furman, whatever happens this week with um, Mercer, you have a game against Wofford that you probably feel pretty good about winning. The question here is, to me, who puts themselves in a position to be beyond the mercy of the committee by the time we get to the end? And I think the winners of the two big games this week are the two teams that are the safest. And particularly if those two winners are Samford and Mercer, that bodes really well and could be really fun for the SoCon because those two teams are going to play in a high-stakes game the final week of the season. And also, Furman and Chat have an opportunity to course-correct because they're going to play considerably weaker opponents in the final week of the year. So those are the four teams I got my eye on. I think the SoCon is competing neck-and-neck neck with the CAA. I'm, I, the Valley might get a third team in out of Southern Illinois, North Dakota, and Youngstown State but I don't think there's anybody else that's a serious threat. Illinois State's kind of far down the pecking order. I think back to when they struggled to put away Valparaiso and you could kind of see coming that like, this team might have a little bit of a tough year. Uh, the other part of it, and the reason that I'm not ready to jump in with both feet on four teams, is somebody other than Incarnate Word is going to win the Southland. A team that probably wouldn't get in without the automatic bid is going to get in. And bid stealers knock at larges out of these sort of postseason tournaments all the time. Southeastern Louisiana or Northwestern State is most likely going to win the Southland Conference. And if one of those two teams wins the Southland Conference, then, well, that's not incarnate word. That's a stolen bid. That could come at the expense of the weakest link of the four SOCON teams. Uh, Southeast Louisiana wins the last in the Northwestern State's next up on their schedule. They would correct. be, what's that, eight and three. Mm-hmm. They have one non-qualifier, is that correct? So I'd have to go back and look. I believe they have a non-qualifier. I, I believe I they check. do. Uh, and that's just speaking off the top of my head, that would put them 7-3 and three as far as that goes. And uh, they'd be right there on the bubble. Now, the biggest monkey wrench would be if our good buddy Kevin Boston, AD down in Northwestern State, and the Demons were able to pull off Shocker and then have five losses and get into the – Big dance, if you will. So Southeastern has a win over Incarnate Word. Um, and they have a win over Jacksonville State, which is a nice win. Um, but there's a lot of filler there. I mean, it's it's very much the opposite extreme. They played te three teams outside the top 100 this year as part of their schedule. They so play they played all qualifiers, just not good ones. Uh, yeah, they they have two FC two of their losses are FCS losses or uh, FBS losses. Their one loss is to Commerce. Um they're one counter losses to Commerce, so I believe the committee will view them as 6-1, and one, uh, which probably changes the calculus a little bit. But I just don't see a dazzling resume here, and especially if they lose this week, um, I don't see it. If they win this week, it doesn't matter because they're getting in, because they're going to win the automatic bid. They will absolutely beat Nichols like a drum in Thibodeau at the end of the year. The other question I got is, how good do you feel about UC Davis at home I'm sorry, UC Davis on the road at Idaho. Because, Not well. Because if Idaho drops that one, they're, I think, effectively out. Would you not Would you not agree? If, 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 I, now well, you, now I, you, Idaho is in a similar situation where they have two FBS losses, but they've played a considerably tougher schedule. They have a road win at Montana. Uh, they're, they're in the midst of a really, really daunting path to get to where they want to go. Um, 
they probably don't have the second complimentary win that Southeastern has. But they also haven't played a lot of teams that are just outside the top 100, that are just absolute stinkers. They are playing a much more formidable schedule, and they're still finding ways to win those games. And they're winning games against teams in the 40s, in the RPI or the, the Massey or the Sagarin, whichever metric you use. Uh, they're beating teams in the low to mid 40s and they're beating them soundly. And then on top of that, they have a win against Montana, which despite having three losses is still, I think, one of the better teams in the country, all things considered. Um, they're not going to have a resume that gets them seated, but I think they're still a good enough team that they can be a disruptor in the playoffs depend or based on where they're going to end up, which is on Thanksgiving weekend. So, I don't think Idaho's in a situation where if they lose that game, they're out. No. So the four losses, they get to seven and four. You've still got them in. It's two FCS losses at that point. Okay. Because they lost to Washington State and Indiana, and the committee throws those out. Same with Southeastern. They lost two games that the committee will throw out. But they would they have seven, and they would have seven FCS wins. Yeah. That's generally the they. I think they weight that more. It's almost – it's very rare that a six FCS win team well, it, gets in. Well, it, 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 happen. it does happen. It happens. It does every, happen. It, ha it happens more often than you think. I think it also depends on your win percentage against FCS opponents because the committee is willing to, I believe, cut team slack when you say, hey, this was on our schedule when we were still an FBS school, like some of these games were with Idaho, or uh, budgetary realities where you have to play multiple guarantee games. I think the committee's willing to cut teams slack there if you have a win percentage and quality wins to back that up. Southeastern could get in as an at-large if if it all shakes out. I don't know that they will if they lose to Northwestern, but they could. They could. Um, yeah, but if they lose to Northwestern State, and I qualify that, um, I don't know that it will. That changes the calculus a little bit. And if they beat Northwestern State, it's probably not going to matter. Sounds like a lot of math. Mm-hmm. I just like when yes. I can ask you a big sky question, you start yelling. That's what I enjoy. Oh, boy. Nothing gets you fired up. You know what gets you more fired up than big sky talk? Hoops. Talking a little basketball, women's basketball to be specific, as uh, Courtney Moore is going to join us here, the very talented guard for ETSU. And unfortunately, Courtney had to listen to us yell at each other for a little bit. So it's uh, it's kind of like you just came from practice, right? That sounds yes, familiar. <laughs> Talk a little bit. Now, and I asked Coach Mock this because I think it's very interesting as I try to figure out how to hold the mic and look at Courtney. She's sitting behind me here. Um, I find it interesting. You're in a unique situation like Ja'Kai Davis. Yep. And it's none your fault, but there's – three years you've been here you now have three head coaches talk about just your uh, commitment really to to ETSU because it has to be something about ETSU with everything that's going on that keeps you here in uniform yes um so I came here my freshman year I just came because I love the city I love the people here coaches players and I think as the coach, the coaching changes happened, um, I've adjusted well to each coaching staff. Uh, when Coach Mock came in, I really liked her. Um, didn't really feel a need to leave. Uh, I trusted her, and here we are. Yeah, and I know a little bit about uh, where you're from. Uh, played ball at PK Young. I yep. spent some time there in Ocala. Did some uh, broadcasting there for Forest and Vanguard, some of the schools okay. down there, and PK was there. So very familiar with that area. But PK, a little bit of a smaller school. Mm -hmm. uh, just talk about the transition, you know, maybe walking around there. And I know you're still in Gainesville right there at UF, but right. you're walking around that campus compared to walking around here. Um, Walking around PK, it was definitely a lot different. Um, it's very small. Graduating class was roughly 100 people. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, it's a lot different here. What's something about – the Tri-Cities that you maybe didn't think you would like when you got here, but have now embraced is like, yeah, this is awesome. This is, I couldn't, I couldn't live without this. I enjoy this every day. Um, I would say just waking up and seeing the mountains, like when I'm sure. driving, seeing the mountains and the snow, that was a big adjustment, but <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. What, what was it like the first time you saw snow? I've seen Floridians have very different reactions from it's like oh my god it's snow it's like what is this coming out of the sky this is horrible <laughs> yeah um i i remember 
the first time it snowed, it was, we were getting ready to go on a road trip, and it was night, and, like, we looked out the window, and we saw, like, there was quite a bit of snow. It wasn't just a little, like, um... A dusting, like, as we call it. Yes, right. Uh, there was actually, like, a few inches, and I was like, oh, yeah, we got to go out here. So we went out there and uh, had a snowball fight. It was pretty fun. <laughs> well, if you, I mean, if I don't know if you guys will ever take, never take a trip to North Dakota, but they measure mm-hmm. it in feet up there. Oh, wow. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people from Florida that have come to school at ETSU, the first time, like, oh, this is so cool, it's so awesome, yeah. and then they're very quickly over it, and they don't yeah. want to see it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> is that how you were? Um, the cold? Yes, I was over it immediately because uh, you know back home it, it gets a little cold but here that was that was a, a bit much yeah so did it feel at any point like you were on the planet hoth from star wars <laughs> were you were you gonna ride a tauntaun to class one day like that <laughs> no no, no. never that extreme no okay i hope you know what he's talking about i got no idea i have no idea <laughs> yeah, he, he, talk, he talks stuff that i don't understand either Corey. i'm glad she gave you the look that i was gonna give you so i was like i have no idea what he's talking about <laughs> Come on. Yeah. You, you of all people, uh, Sandos, you have to have seen Star Wars once. I saw four, five, and six when I was a kid. Yeah. And then I didn't see one through whatever they've done. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. I oh, just, dear. I'm not a... I, so, long story short, because this is about Courtney, not me, but my parents are big sci-fi movie people, <laughs> and when I got out of the house, I was so happy not to watch sci-fi type stuff that I've never watched sci-fi stuff since. So, yeah, that's no. a, it's a personal problem, Keith. I, I that is definitely it. a personal problem, uh, and we will I will pay for your therapy, Jack. I, I, well, <laughs> yes, it is. Well, the VA pays for that, so it's fine. I don't have to do that at all. <laughs> I get free therapy uh, when they remember I have an appointment, Keith, but that's beside the point. So. All right, let's talk a little bit. Hoops with Courtney Moore here. Nobody wants to hear about uh, Jay's issues in therapy. Uh, Courtney, let's talk about Coach Mott comes in. Um, you've got all these new players. Just talk about trying to get a sort of the system that she wants to run. I know a little bit more dribble drive type stuff. And then also trying to build chemistry with your teammates. Yeah, um, so I think she came in, uh, um, you know, just learning us, uh, learning how we all play and then putting in a system. So the dribble drive was great. We have a lot of attacking guards. Um, and, yeah. What was the first practice like when everybody came in and, and met Brenda for the first time? Um, what, what was the energy like in that, in that environment for you? Um, it was pretty fun. I think we've, we had some learning moments, uh, just some new stuff that she was putting in, but like also just being able to go out there and enjoy it, new coaching staff, and have a great time. She has a really, really – powerful sense of humor like she just just seems to find the the there's a there's a lightness or a levity in everything right it's, 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 does that rub off on the team a little bit like where he's like you just start cracking jokes and having fun because this is supposed to be fun right yeah it gives us an extra push for sure <clears throat> does it help the fact that all the assistants from last year uh, including adobo and everything is, yep. is pretty much all here it was one change but for the most part the core of the group that were with you last year were here how does that help the transition um, I think it helps a lot considering we had, what, nine new people. Um, so for them to have those coaches still and just have a little bit of what they committed to, uh, and then Coach Mock obviously has been great. I thought you had another one. No, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> no. What, what's it like working with Jackie Alexander? And, and how nice is it to just have some continuity there in a time where everything has just kind of been jumbled up a little bit? Right. Um I think it's great working with her. Um, she definitely pushes us. She has a lot of knowledge, and she instills that in us. So, yeah, it's been really, really good. What was, was, was your first meeting with your position coach? I think my first meeting was with Coach Joe. Okay. And um, it was great. It was just a lot of, like, well, there was a transition. So, when I transitioned in last year into the point guard role, mm-hmm. like, there was obviously a big shift, and um, a lot of it was staying composed and like just accepting the role that I was put into and then just going on to handle that. Is that something that you necessarily were prepared to do? I mean, was it a little bit of kind of sink or swim when you, when you were asked, Hey, I want you to take over the point guard role. Um, you don't, I mean, you don't really have a choice. It's what your coach right. want you to do. <laughs> yeah. But uh, how, how did you, uh, how did you approach that? How big of a challenge was that? Um, it was a challenge, but I played point guard in high school. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little bit used to playing on the ball, but playing point guard in high school and college is obviously completely different but um i think i was prepared for it and i was ready for that new role 
Yeah, we're talking to Courtney Moore, point guard, ETSU women's basketball, talking to her a little bit of everything. We'll get into some life stuff a little later, but Courtney, let's talk about on the floor, not been able to to get out there a lot yet, still kind of working back. How close are you to being back, and how excited will you be to get the first game action? Um, Yeah, I'm working back. I think um, I'm about halfway there, uh, still gradually improving by the day. Um, but I'm really excited to just get back out there fully and be able to go out there and compete with my teammates. I know it's always tough for players that are used to being out there getting a lot of minutes. How are you staying engaged and trying to be the best teammate you can be? Um, I think just there's a lot of people playing different roles. So I think just staying in their ear, encouraging them, trying to help them be better in the positions that they're thrown in and just being that encouragement off the bench or wherever I'm, wherever I'm needed. And this group's been – kind of banged up all through preseason yep. a lot of people getting hurt you've been nicked up um how challenging is it when you have such a big group of new players to kind of build the chemistry you need to succeed on the floor when so many players are in and out of the lineup on a given day yeah it, it's just kind of tough just because um so like we we gain some and then we lose some and right. then it's just hard to like you know find that balance and uh find out like what rotations are working the best or like who like feeds off well off of one another you know just stuff like that so just we're still in the process of building that but it's definitely growing Courtney let's talk a little bit about the schedule and the Southern Conference a little bit obviously it's fun to play some of those big money games I know South Carolina a little bit of different animal the other night (laughs) but you do get Vanderbilt at home and the Southern Conference other than probably Mercer Mm -hmm. I think it's wide open two through seven Yep. I won't mention the bottom team, but I think there's clearly a bottom <laughs> team. I think there's clearly a top team. Yeah. But honestly, you saw your team grow last year right. and make a run, I think tied for fourth, and then all the tiebreakers came out how they fell. But it's so wide open. How excited are you when you get to that point that hopefully the team continues to grow, you get healthy people back right. and be able to have a full squad to try to compete in a Southern Conference that honestly is pretty wide open? Right, yeah. Um, I'm really excited to just go out and compete. You know, playing that big game against South Carolina just allowed us to learn a lot about ourselves and just just one step to help us learn more about one another. And I think once we build, get everybody back and we've built that connection, I think our competition in the SoCon is going to be – shocking to pretty much every team in it. I think it was Jayla Rufus Milner who basically said yeah. playing South Carolina means we shouldn't have any fear going up against anybody else right. because this is a prohibitive favorite to win a national title again. Right. Um is that do you kind of buy into that sentiment too of like well if we're going to go out there and line up with these guys then we shouldn't be scared of UNCG or whoever when you're lining up against teams in the SoCon right. you know there's there's nothing that you haven't seen that they can throw at you because you played South Carolina. Right, yeah, they're pretty big, really aggressive. So, you know, like we can play against that and, you know, just execute and do our best against them. Like there is no other team that we can't go up against and, you know, execute and do the things that we need to do to win. Well, let's talk a little bit about, uh, I think, you look at JT, Giselle Thomas, the way she's come in. We knew she was a, a score at Florida National, didn't quite score as much, I think it was Temple last year, but came in, had a monster game to start with. And talk about her and her ability because she's not particularly, and to her own, she said, not a great shooter, but a heck of a score. Just talk about right. what she brings to the table and can help because last year that was a struggle. Sometimes it was you lean score, sometimes it be somebody, but you very rarely had like two or three ladies hitting at the same time. Right, yeah. Uh, having her is is crazy. Um, she's very efficient. Um, she's very aggressive. She's, in my opinion, she's almost unguardable. Like she can pretty much do anything, um, and she's very confident in herself. So, let me ask you this: um, rebounding was a big key yeah. this year. Trying to go into it, how much better? Because I think it's eye popping to me to see how much better on the glass is this team. And what makes it particularly a better rebounding team this year so far than last year? Um, I would just say our emphasis of offensive rebounding, boxing out, getting rebounds. Um, Jayla is very aggressive, and her effort on the glass is outstanding. And I think it helps us a lot, especially um, offensively for second chances and things of that nature. All right, here's a legitimate question. How (laughs) high does Journey McDaniel jump? Because sometimes (laughs) – there are ladies that are good rebounders that 
necessarily are just tall and don't jump right. and then there are a few that literally get off the ground and it was amazing the first time I saw her literally go get a board <laughs> how high up she was yeah and uh that's the one thing that jumps off the page and one uh, coach told me she likes to rebound which sometimes oh, yeah. and I, I do find this amazing but I, I've heard players they don't like to rebound you know like scoring they don't mind defending mm-hmm. but really they want to go in there and get a rebound she's one that does like to go get a rebound so yep. my question is how high does she jump because she jumps really high does she not yeah she does she she can probably she'll probably be dunking soon for sure I, and I don't think she's kidding with that either. By the way, no, I don't yeah. know if you've seen that yet, Keith. She I am. Incredible. I am excited to see. I'm yeah. excited to see her throw one down. <laughs> uh, all right, Courtney. So we're unveiling new uh, things that we do with uh, our our student athlete guests uh, here on the Jay and Keith Show. Uh, doing it basically every week. It feels like we had we had the question the 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 pay it forward question with Rodney Wright. Right. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so we want to do some rapid fire questions over a short period of time with you. Okay. Most of these are you know what's your favorite blah blah, but. There are three questions in here that have specific right answers. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, are you want you want to run? Are you ready to run the fast break? Yes, I'm ready. Jay, hit it. Welcome to the land of the hyenas. Two minutes on the clock. Go. What's the farthest you've ever been from home? Um, twelve hours. Twelve hours? Where? Um. Two minutes, Courtney. Where, where was it? <laughs> Where'd you go? Um, Shot clock's winding down. I don't know. Uh, if you don't remember. Then, uh, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that must have been an eventful trip. Um, <laughs> what sport besides basketball have you always wanted to try? Um, softball. Softball? Okay. Who's the toughest player you've ever had to guard? Um, Neil Tizer from Mercer. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite word? Courtney. Courtney. <laughs> I love that. You know what? Yeah. Listen, no, no one loves me more than me. What, what is Courtney your, subscribes to that. What is your What is your least favorite word? Um. Um. Yes. Okay. Um. What's one plus two plus one plus one plus one? Ten. Seven. If you could be an animal for one day, what animal would you be? A, d- a dolphin. A dolphin? Okay. What's your favorite car? Does not have to be one you've driven. Uh, the 2023 Toyota Camry. Dogs or cats? Neither. Neither. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, how good of a cook are you? If I'm cooking tacos, 10. Anything else? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> how much dirt is in a hole that's 2 feet wide and 3 feet deep? Uh, I'm not sure. None. It's a hole. Oh. <laughs> and if you could keep one app on your phone, what would it be? Ten seconds. Um, FaceTime. Who's the coolest teammate to hang out with? Neve Brown. What's freakier, spiders or snakes? Snakes. Snakes? You're from Florida. You're not a snake person? No. Okay. No way. What? What's worse, gators or snakes? Snakes. Snakes? You can run away from a gator. That's true. Zigzag. Yeah. Well, you can also hold a gator's mouth well, shut. Hold, yeah. hold on. Courtney can run away from one. I don't know that I'm getting <laughs> away from one. That's a whole different yeah, animal. You don't You don't need to be faster than the gator. You just need to be faster than Jay. That's true. <laughs> faster and shorter. I got, I got one last one, though. Uh-huh. Bacon or sausage? Bacon. Okay, that was Bacon. the right answer. If she said sausage, yeah. she was off the broadcast. <laughs> we got uh, we got 14. 14 questions. But she got, you derailed her with the 12-hour one. I blame yeah. you, Keith. I blame Keith. <laughs> I blame okay. you. All right. Um... <laughs> So we have one other thing we do. This is the pay it forward question. Basically, we ask you a question that was asked by another athlete at ETSU. And then you get to ask the next athlete that sits in that chair a question. You don't know who it'll be. Okay. Um, So this question comes from Jordan King. And uh, he asks, what's your favorite moment from the sport that you play at any time in your life? I'd have to say... I have two, sorry. That's okay. But my first is scoring my 2000th career point in high school. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. And then my second one is when we beat Sanford the first round of SOCOM my freshman year. <laughs> that's that's a nice one. That's a, yep. The 2000th point, how did you do it? Free throw, layup, three? Um, I want to say it was a three-pointer. Okay. Yep. 
Well, right. you could say it because we won't know. No, we won't know. <laughs> we don't have video evidence. See, see yeah. you, you have a, if you're going to be a broad, and I don't know you want to be a broadcaster, but if you do, you just say it. People yeah. just, yeah, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> you have no idea. Well, it's, it's, actually, Courtney, now that you say that, we have some yeah. contradicting evidence. No, I'm kidding. Um, so what, what question do you want to ask the next ETSU student athlete? You will not know show? who you're asking it to. Yep. Okay. Um, what outside of sports at ETSU is the best part about campus? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. I, I like that. Well done. Thank you. I like it. Well, all right, Courtney, we'll let you off the hook. Uh, thank you for stopping by. It was great catching up with you. Good luck on the season, and we'll be following you the rest of the year. Yep. Thank you. <clears throat> say what? Say, 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 say what? You want to do say what? Sure. Let's do say what, I guess. All right. You just you hit the button. So I, I hit the button. Well, listen, it's, you know. Thank you, Courtney. Have a good one. <laughs> Let's do it. What do you got? Uh, what do you got? Do I need to turn okay. on? Uh, I, I'm good. Yeah, I've turned it on. I've turned it on. I've turned it on. I probably need to turn it up as well. Yep. We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right. That means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. You want to bet against this guy? Put your money down, people. <laughs> Love to see it. Love to see it. No, the game is not different. We don't build rockets to go to Mars. We're not nuclear scientists. That is none of our jobs here. It's a very simple jobs that we do here. I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. But I do know how to build a football team. That is Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Ursay at the press conference for interim head coach Jeff Saturday. Whew, that is why I didn't recognize the voice. I'm usually pretty good at coach voices, and I'm sitting there going, what in the world? I, I, I thought you had found an obscure, I don't know, D2 Juco coach or something and just was a great quote. I did not – I would not have – I guess I've not – watched a lot of Jim Irsay press conferences ever in my life because I did not recognize that voice. That was about half of the highlights of that presser. That was uh, the the number of quadrants and, and, and quadrilaterals or whatever he was talking about there. I got a little lost in that. Um, big Jeff Saturday fan since uh, I tweeted and got uh, Joe Schreiber on this pancake thing. So me and Jeff are tied yeah. on our uh, one uh, Twitter exchange. So there I feel go. good about that. Uh, that's a very interesting quote. I, I don't even know where to go into that I, I i'm guessing he's going with his expectations of where they've been and what he wants to do I, but it was yes he knows how to build a, a football team judging on his last eight years of non-success but go ahead how many disasters have to befall the colts one was not i don't think his fault uh i mean he hired a head coach who took the job and a week later decided Josh he was going to stay yeah. uh, you don't have to say it you have to talk about New England that way, Keith. We I know, didn't talk about New England. Any yes, you did. Way. You, the way you smirked. I know how you people, people don't talk know. about people the past. People don't know. People My don't past. know. They people know. might not know. People know. So that being said, I, I think that that hurt too because they had already hired some staff. They were let down the road. Then when your quarterback just ups, and I'm not knocking anybody who decides it's their time to go and when they want to go, they live their life. It's up to them. But when Andrew Luck preseasons like I'm out, it has yep. gone between that. The, the weird coaching faux pas, whatever that was, and then the um, the, the quarterback. Going, I, I just think a couple of things have worked against the Colts that aren't necessarily normal things that happen to teams. That's fair. I will throw that as a caveat. That being said, they've been atrocious for a while from things that I don't think started their fault, but he certainly has contributed to it not being turned around. Do you buy that? hiring Jeff Saturday to be the interim head coach with no prior head coaching experience. The first, or no coaching experience of any kind. The first, I believe, since Norm Van Brocklin. Well, now, in fairness, no college or pro. He's a high school coach currently. Okay. But no college or pro experience Correct. the first since Norm Van Brocklin. Yes. Three years of high school head coaching um, experience. Go. Do you think, do you buy the idea that this is not a deliberate tank job by Jim Irsay? To get a new quarterback, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or whoever. This do I buy that it is not? Uh, do you buy that it's not a deliberate tank job because he's denying that this is? I mean, of course he has to, but are you buying? Well, they, they've already let other coaches go, so he probably went with who can I get in here that is a good PR person that will say the right things, do the right things, be appreciative of this, and probably not win. That's my take. Fair. That's that's fair. 
So you, you want somebody that's so I'm not, not buying going it. to win. Right. So that, yeah. Not yeah the, that's not, I'm not buying it. Yes, that is correct. Okay. <clears throat> what are we at? Um, here's another quote. Dramatic reading. We've been able to use him, and he's helped us win a lot of games since I've been here. I don't know what else we would do. Throw it 50 times? I mean, who the expletive would we throw it to? That's Mike Vrabel to Ed Werder on the sustainability of Derrick Henry's workload. Yes, if I have Derrick Henry, I give him the ball as much as humanly possible. And you also got rid of A.J. Brown in the offseason. Yes, and I have quarterbacks that I don't know can press the ball down the field, are great at play action and, and doing things that need a run game. And that's how they're built, and that's how they've been successful and in going into the playoffs. So I would be hard-pressed to – I would defend Mike Vrabel, maybe not uh, flat-out hammering every receiver he has on his current roster. I think if I was one of those guys, I'd go, uh, Coach, can we, can we talk for a minute? But other mm-hmm. than that, I think he makes a great point in how, if I were him, what I would do. Mike Leach talking about T-Rex arms again with those wide receivers. I, that's I think, all I thought about. <laughs> I think – I honestly, I think Malik Willis is going to be fine. I think he's going to be an okay football player. He's going to be a a capable starting quarterback for the Titans. And he made some nice throws that just there were no plays made on the other end. And sometimes you just need a receiver that can go out and make a play. And they had one and they got rid of him. And now they're putting putting their receiver core in the hands or lack thereof of a bunch of young, unproven guys. All right. How about another one? Uh, Let's do – let's let's go north of the border, shall we? But also – north of the Tennessee border all the way to New York with a Canadian. Yeah, yeah I need a partner with, you know, really deep pockets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, much bigger. That's, it's, called a, it's called a consortium or consortium or a consortium mm-hmm. when you form a group together to, to buy an entity. And I just, it's such, a, it's such a fancy way of saying I need a sugar mommy or a sugar daddy. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, but you, you um, do need one, yeah. Yeah, and if that doesn't work out, I'll buy a U.S. senator, which anyone can afford. <laughs> Uh, well, first of all, I, I subscribe to getting a sugar mama. I, I, <laughs> if, if you're going to ask me if I'm pro sugar mama, I'm going to say yes, but go ahead. Uh, that is Ryan Reynolds when asked by Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show about his pursuit of the Ottawa Senators. He has reportedly been trying to buy the team. He said he is interested. Uh, he is trying to assemble a consortium mm-hmm. to buy the team. He, of course, invest in uh, Wrexham FC over in Wales, the soccer team. Uh, which they made a TV series about. Welcome to Wrexham. It's him and um, uh, the guy whose name escapes me, and I feel awful. He's on uh, Always Sunny. Um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but um, Rob McElhenney. That's it. Um, Those guys bought like a fourth division English soccer team. It's actually a Welsh soccer team, and they're trying to climb him up the ladder. So he's very enthusiastic about sports. Wants to get involved in sports. He's Canadian, right? He's Canadian. Yep, makes sense. Probably the only person I could think of that would actually want to keep the Senators in Ottawa. And if you want to keep, for tradition purposes, someone to do it, that makes sense to me. I am all for celebrity people buying teams. (laughs) Sign me up. And I'm, again, uh, who's he married to? Blake Lively? Blake Lively, I believe, yes. So, again, Sugar Mama, I'm throwing it out there, Blake, if if you need somebody. I think, yeah, she should invest in the team with him. That would be great. Oh, is that what we're talking? Yes, yes, that too. Mm-hmm. That too. Oh, what were you talking about? Don't worry about that. Just, we'll just erase this before my wife hears it. You know go. what? You know what? Actually, <laughs> actually, I was going to save this quote for last, but now it's thematically appropriate. It was, well, honestly, we never really even thought about it. Um, she knows that how she's in my phone, and when that popped up on Race for the Championship, like, it was... I didn't even think about it, actually, until everyone started talking about it. I was like, yeah, no, that's that's how she is in my phone. And that's how, like, I mean, I use Siri on my phone to call her, and I said, call my hot-ass wife. Um, she doesn't. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no. No, we laugh about it now. We made shirts and, and the whole nine. We made shirts that sell for charity, and we have one that says, I have a hot-ass wife, which I wear the shirt all the time. <laughs> and then uh, we have a hot-ass wife for the female version. So, pretty cool. That's newly minted two-time Cup Series champion Joey Logano talking to Bob Pachris of Fox Sports. Bob's terrific, by the way. I don't know if you know him. I've had him on my uh, radio shows over the years a couple times. And really nice, very knowledgeable, great uh, interviewer. And, uh, yeah, Joey talking about the meme of his phone screen 
on uh, the USA Series race for the championship and the uh, the title that he has uh, for his wife in his phone and how it went viral. So I now I did steal my wife's phone and put my stud muffin husband <laughs> as my name and continued to send her texts and calls when she was in an important meeting one time. So, <laughs> but that seems a little different than what he did. Like he, you know, there's a conscience uh, agreeable. Yeah, she agreed right. on this. Right, it's like, right. and no, they sell T-shirts, great. and it goes for charity. And uh, and I think if we made shirts that say "My Stud Muffin Husband," you know, and uh, you know my face on it, uh, clearly we could help a per. I don't know what we'd do with that. You could you could just get a T-shirt for you that says so, "Stud Muffin Husband" instead I am of the possessive. It's just you're the Stud Muffin Husband. Ninety-seven percent of the people in my phone don't have names; they have more nicknames, so that I am better at remembering who they are. And or it has part of their name and something else. What what's what's but, my nickname? I mean, uh, you know, it's it's Keith. Yeah, we'll, we'll, but like, Kevin, but that's it. I don't have a special the, nickname. No, no, that's uh, because most people. Am I not good enough? For no, you? no, no. It's it's sitting you there. I mean, jerk. you know, like Kevin Brown is forty. You know, Mikey Ezekiel's white sauce. You know, I got a few others that we could go over. You know, but uh, yeah, <laughs> you're just uh, generic Keith. And in fairness, people think that break because it's spelled the way it is is not your name, so it works as a nickname whether they think Why it's your name. Why do people keep I don't thinking know. that? Why do people think I have a T or uh, some other Santos, letter yeah. or some other letter in my name? Because you're know. Brazilian. You're obviously Brazilian. Yeah, you know. Uh, the best is uh, at our kids' school when my wife's name tag comes out. It's capital S A N and then a space and a capital D and then lowercase O S. So Santos. I don't know how that got because my name is spelled right, so I'm not sure what's right. going on there. Do, uh, do, it's a hard name. It's a hard name. Do people in this building seriously think that "break" is a stage name? I don't know about in this building. Okay. I think people that have seen my phone that may have seen, like when I'm texting or whatever, and are like, hey, oh, they think they think I'm like your mechanic or something. Ah, uh, something because Keith I have breaks. a they have yeah. a they have a lot of nicknames. So is that the phone? Is that a laptop? Is it, does he fix this? Is it a water heater oh, guy? Oh yeah. I think there's a or is it you know do they think I can, and I can't spell? Do they think it's the car brakes? Do they, you know, there's a there's a lot of things going. It on. is like the car brakes. Like I said, it's the car brake. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like and be, then, I always tell people like the car part. So. Yes, I do have a lot of. If you scroll through, like I think the last, let's see who's the last person that contacted me here. I don't know. Let's just see. I'm, I'm live here. The last person that sent me a message was Fat Dan. So there you go. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. Maybe you don't need to know Fat Dan. I uh, guess not. Is he related to Fat Joe? Because then I might want to know him. Because that's how, that would probably be fun to hang out with. Uh, we do have one more. All right, what do we got? Um, quote. He's certainly a lot faster when you see it in person than I thought, for sure. He's strong. That's what I didn't know. I didn't know how strong he was in terms of hanging in the pocket, being able to move guys off of him, and be able to stay alive. End quote from Bears head coach Matt Eberflus on his quarterback, Justin Fields. Well, until you said in the pocket, I thought you were talking about me. Um, I know. I, I knew I was, that's where you were going I with was, this. I was close. As I, as I talked about running away from – or not being able to run away from an alligator, but I would – can. <laughs> Occur with that actually because it's sometimes and we've all done if and, and we i'm specifically talking to me and keith here uh sorry podcast listeners but and sometimes fans but when you hear about certain athletes and then you have a chance to call a game and you see them in person sometimes the tape if you will doesn't do them justice or when somebody tells you a buddy in the business or you're just reading about somebody and you're like, eh, I don't mm-hmm. know. And then you see it and it works the opposite way too. There's people that you think are going to be better or not, but it, there is something to expectations of something. And then you put people in certain situations and they continue to do stuff you don't think they would do. And I think when you get a quarterback, especially, and even free TSU fans, you look at Tyler Rydell walking down the hallway, right? He looks like a 5'11", 180 pound normal person and then mm-hmm. you watched him last year pull off these christmas miracles that you know seem like he didn't quite fit that way then you look right. at certain guys like you know tim smith mr jennings you walk up to him and like man i just you know you thought maybe it'd be bigger and same token you know you stand next to dillian sneed and you go you're a little bigger in person than i thought you'd be so I, I think it all happens and especially in our business as far as broadcasters i think i'm always amazed sometimes I think last year, and I'm I don't, I'm going to blow the 
female basketball player for Sanford's name, so I'm not going to attempt it right this second. But there was a player last year that came in with very little accolades, and they were like, you know, I think it's a pretty good little point guard. And all of a sudden, like seeing what she could do live, I I think I talked at nauseum um, with some other people in the league. and was like, when you read the stats or you have people tell you how good she is, it doesn't resonate. But when we all saw her play at separate times live, we're like, that is a difference maker that you wouldn't know is a difference maker. Now, Justin Fields is on national TV all the time. Is that another? I think certainly – Watching what he did to New England was uh, heartbreaking for me, but it also showed me at that point in time as just fanboy sitting on the couch how impressive he was able to make plays, maneuver, and I was shocked at the strength part of it where he was able to break certain tackles in the pocket and get loose. So I concur. I just think it's interesting that, that a head football coach says that his 6'3", 230 quarterback, he didn't think he was that strong. And his quarterback, who ran a four 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 forty, is not that fast. He's faster than he looks. He's deceptively fast. I just think that's odd that you would come out and say, like, yeah, I completely misevaluated our quarterback. That seems like a not good thing to say. Like, I feel like you can infer from that that, well, if you're misevaluating your quarterback, what else are you misevaluating? Was he? Uh, he wasn't there when they were drafted, though. So no. he, he didn't evaluate him. He, he get off. He, I, I think he's. I think it's one of those two where coaches tend to overstate or overplay certain things. That if you got him in a room, he would in some true serum. He would probably dro- drop a few words and go, "Well, of course I knew he was that good." But it plays better. It's good comments. He's uh, trying to build up the confidence of his team. And certainly the offense and fields the last several weeks have been really, really good. I don't know that they can stop a bag of Skittles right now. But that being said, they've traded away some of the best defensive players. They traded away, what, Robert Quinn, Roquan Smith? Oh, yeah. Name somebody that was decent on the defense, and they were – there we go. And where did they trade Khalil Mack? Didn't they trade him, too, in the offseason? They trade him to the – where did yes. they trade him? Oh, it's a great – they did. I thought they did. Uh, they did, and you're going to make me try to get on the, the machine here. I was uh, – I covered uh, the Chargers. They traded him to the Chargers. Um, I was covering UConn when Khalil Mack with Buffalo, with the Buffalo Bulls, uh, absolutely just – flat out pants to UConn's offense and the next day Paul Pascaloni was fired. And he probably should have been. That was four games in. They were 0-4. If they had beaten Michigan the previous week, he probably would have stayed. But yeah, the loss to Towson at the beginning of the year, probably not a good sign. I believe Pascaloni just got fired from another job with Carolina, didn't he? I just want to go back to the Towson Tigers. The Towson Tigers, Your Your disrespect to the Towson Tigers. I love Rob Ambrose. He's great. But also, FBS teams probably shouldn't lose to FCS teams, even good ones, which is what Towson was that year. Very good. They were very good in 2015. All right, good show. Yeah, I agree. Courtney Moore, stop by. Yep. We'll talk men's basketball tomorrow. We'll talk Blue Ridge border battle. That's fun to say. Blue Ridge border battle. Southern Conference, two massive games. I said babble. I said border babble. I have, I have butchered that all week. I've talked to people and tried to throw it all in succession. If I'm not staring at it, I get it wrong every time. The human torch was denied a bank loan. Rubber baby buggy bumper. Jane Keith. Lightning Dynamics. Blurry's Water Battle. Oh, you got to be kidding me.